0: Everyone's probably getting sick of hearing that little phrase, but uh, first time I've seen a lot of you, so Happy New Year, and I'm possibly first time a lot of you have seen each other. So for those of you who don't know me, I'm Sharon, and this is home here, um, home church, and it's a real privilege to be part of this church community. Uh, our family spent a bit of time at uh, Yarra Happiny. It's a little spot halfway between here and Sydney on the coast for a week i um, enjoying, well, Jared, our son's two things every day was go to the beach and play cricket. We managed to tick off those quite regularly. I think there was one day we didn't quite swim, but cricket happens every single day. And um, even the non-cricketers, I don't know, they felt drawn to it, so it's quite interesting. A lot of fun. And then we went on to Sydney to see family and friends and uh, and back again. Here we are. It all goes by so quick. Um, but I'm really looking forward to this year. Really looking forward to the year. And a lot of thought over the end of the year of, you know, matching our theme. What do we want? Um, and ultimately for me, I just feel uh, just humbled to be able to serve God and um, really want to uh, connect with Him every day. And I'm really excited to see what refresh what god has in store for refresh for this community this year and to me just that last song and some of the things i've been reading um in my devotional time that four little lo- word love that's i know it's tossed around a lot and it's quite cliche but it's just the real deal when it comes to god um not only does he love us but he wants us to love others and that's what I'm looking forward to this year of how we as Refresh can lavishly love each other and our North Pine community here, and um, see what God is going to do through us as we travel that journey. Um, as Boss, ah, sorry, Corbin. <laughs> as Corvin said, uh, we have church camp coming up. Really want you to mark that in your diary. Sorry for the late notice, bit of jiggle and a juggle, but we've we've secured a date and. If you don't have camping gear or you're not really a camper, come see us. We could probably find some camping gear and otherwise come up at least for the day on the Saturday. Great space for community, sitting around chatting, playing, eating, getting to know people. So welcome, welcome to 2018. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Now some people here uh, are new today, had a bit of a chat welcome and uh, some haven't been for a while and some of us have you know here and there sometimes it's just so good to have you here today today as we mentioned it's the second part of a series the second part of how to get what you really want so last week Simon started it and um Today we're going to end with three questions to go away and consider and a, and a little piece of paper that you can, you can take away and think about that. But the question is, what do you really want? What do you want? I'll see if this click is going to work for me. I think I just pressed the wrong thing. Am I going? Here we go. Or did you do that for me? what do you want Um, and some of this is a little bit of a a, a touch on last week on what Simon shared Uh, repetition is a good thing hey sometimes we need to come back and go oh yeah that's right Um, and for some of us we weren't here last week so hopefully this will sort of just bridge for you it's a really tricky question Because whatever comes to mind is often paralleled with some other things. And these things were shared last week. When we think about what we really want, some of the things that come to mind are this. We want our way. Um, I just pressed the wrong thing again. Slow learner. We see that in children, don't we? So easily. We want they want their way, they want their way, but us as we grow up, deep down inside, often it's still the case. We want our way. We want to do what we want to do. Very determined, and we want what we want now. These are three things that were talked about last week. And when you think about what you really want, we often come up with something quite good or a number of good things. But These things often drive these decisions. These three things come to mind or maybe not, just unconsciously um, filter through our minds quite quickly. We want our way, we want what we want to do, and we want what we want now. But the problem with this is this. If we always get our way, we lose our way. Think about um, again children and you know that determination of wanting, but in that sometimes actually lose where they really what they really want in the end. If we always do what we want to do, we often end up where we don't want to be. Now that's a lot of words. If we always do what we want to do, we often end up where we don't want to be. And the last thing, if we get what we want now, we may not get what we really want later. And I'm sure all of us threaded through those things there, the problems of having what we want, having what we, we want and having what we want now. We can all relate to this, that these things undermined our future, they've undermined in the past our hopes and our dreams. They've kept us from where we really want to be. And last week, as uh, the talk would have brought you along, said that lurking in the shadows of these things, lurking in the shadows is this thought. Lurking in the shadows of what we want is what we value. And it's lurking because media, culture, even relationships don't often focus on value. It's just what you want, what you want, what you want. When we think about it, you know, what we want, what do we want? Well, we, we might want a purchase, we might want a job, We might want a certain relationship. We might want our kids to act a certain way. We might want our parents not to know something. We might want to achieve certain grades. But what's really behind these wants when we dig a little deeper? makes me think of these little items I've got in the basket here. I'm not sure if you can see them, but a mango, a Kensington Pride. They're the good ones. Chocolate, who's eaten too much over Christmas? Some, some have been very disciplined, I see. And a gift, still unwrapped, believe it or not. You know, it makes me think about these three things. You see, it's not until we peel back something, it's not until we peel back something that we really get what we want. I haven't eaten mango skin. Has anyone eaten mango skin? Clayton has. Who bribed you? Is it nice? Other other types of mangoes. But really, what I want is under the skin. And likewise, I'm being a bit disciplined too lately, but there are times when I really want what's under under that wrapping. And same with the gift. You see, what we really want sometimes is... We need to peel back, peel back, and that's where we find values. When we peel back, we're actually looking for value. So there's some other questions that we might consider, like, who do you want to be? What kind of person do you want to be? What character do you want to have? This is a value question. Or what legacy do I want to leave? Now, when we think of legacy, we usually think of death. Um, but we're not talking about that. I'm not, uh, I'm not hoping to die this year. And when I die, I won't know about my legacy anyway. But legacy is actually what you leave behind in any space. So, uh, students, when you leave school, you'd like to think, well, you might not, but the people talk about you. So, when you leave school, the staff, let's pick on them, they'll say good things. About you, or bad things about you, or nothing about you? If you leave a job for whatever reason, what will be your legacy? Will there be good things, bad things, or nothing? What about us as parents? Anyone here is a parent here? When your children leave home, when my children leave home, what kind of legacy do I want them to have? What kind of things do I want them to say about the home that they grew up in? What kind of words? Will they be good things, bad things, or nothing? You see, this is legacy. Uni, those of you guys at uni, when you leave uni, what kind of legacy? These are value questions. They, they drive us past the surface to the inside of what we really, really want. We will never get what we really want until we discover what we really value. And this was a question that was left with you last week if you were here. And if you weren't, um, then this week, add it to the, th- the three questions, add it to, and go away and think about it. And what what's interesting about this this little series is you kind of go, yeah, 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 yeah. But what is interesting it's not until we create space it's not until we create time it's not until we actually go i'm really going to think about this that we actually think about it we kind of just brush it aside we kind of just you know hasten on into the day hasten on into the year and we don't pause to consider what do i really want what do i value what's really important to me What's going will, and that will be my, my pillar, my my stone, to just plant me for the year so that I, I know where I'm going. You see, no one can answer this for you, no one can answer what you value, no, no, no talk, no book, no pastor, no parent, no friend. It's something that each of us have to just pause and, and think about and go, "What do I value?" And some of us here, we may not even come from a Christian background or be Christian or religion at the moment. You've just been dragged here today. You, your parents have said you've got to come to church or you know, your spouse, you just come because you know they want you to come. Wherever you're at, this question actually still is viable, whether you're a Christian or not. What you really want is based on what you value. But as Jesus followers, as Christians we can go one step further because we believe there's a God who's invited us to call him Father, who sent his son Jesus into this world. And Jesus consistently pointed to what was valuable. He consistently pointed those he spoke to past what they just initially wanted, past what you could call the immediate, to what they ultimately wanted. To the ultimate. So when you think about it, you think, well, this should be easy. But the problem is this, and you'll relate choosing what's valuable is actually unnatural. And in fact, information and and even sheer discipline, and some, some people here are much more disciplined than others. I'm in the sort of the lesser group. Regardless of how much information we get or how much discipline we have, still choosing what is valuable is unnatural. There's that internal conflict that happens in each of us between what comes naturally and what we really value. You know, it's 8am, you're about to get in the car and you look over your neighbour's really cool new Mustang. There's hundreds of them on the road, aren't there? But they are really cool. I'd like one. Um, That really coveting I wish I had is natural. 10am, you're sitting at your desk and lustfully looking over at your colleague going, he's all right, she's all right look at her, look at him, comes naturally. 2 p.m., there's the chocolate crave and cave. It comes naturally. 6 p.m., we're losing it with our kids. It comes naturally. And 11 p.m., we're vegging on the lounge, still in front of a screen. It comes naturally. You know, for all of us, it's hard. But the good news is that it's possible It is possible. So, today we're going to look at a part of the Bible written by Paul. And Paul wrote a lot of the part of the second part of the Bible. Paul was a guy who was hated by Christians um, in the early century, early first century. um, And he became a Jesus follower. And he wrote a letter to people in Rome, which in the Bible we'll find it's called Romans. And He hadn't been to Rome at this stage, um, but there were Christians living in Rome, and it was a tough place to be at that time, a very tough place to be, a very tough place to be as a Christian. And Paul writes this letter, and uh, we're going to pick up a a part of it. Now, I use this term at home called life verses. I don't know if any of you have used that term before, but life verses are those verses in the Bible that, that, you know, I'm... I sometimes say back to myself when I need something. And uh, um, if you don't have a life verse, then um, here's one you can add, kind of a humorous one really, because you'll relate to this. You'll relate to this. You see, Paul says this in Romans um, chapter, five, uh, chapter 7, verse 15, he says th- these words. I do not understand what I do. Now, you should relate to that and should feel good. And you should go, ah, yes, that's me. I do not understand what I do. Um, You know, you can go, ah, life verse. I don't understand what I do. Okay, it's probably not the best life verse, but, you know, you can relate. We all can relate. Whether we're Christians or not Christians, we can relate often we don't understand what we do. You know, we don't have to look too far back in time and we could be standing in the mirror or sitting in the car or lying in bed or having a cup of coffee and we think to ourselves, I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to myself here, you idiot, Sharon. Why did you do that? I have a few memories of that not, not far back. Or why did you say that? Or why did you sleep in? Or why did you eat that? Or why did you call that person? Or why did you do that again? Or why did you buy more of those? Or why did you look why did you look at that? You know, I do not understand what I do. And if we think about it, you kind of think, well, why do I understand what I do? Like, what's wrong with me? Like, I'm... I'm in control. like. But that's the point. The point is this. The point is that there is a conflict between what is natural, natural human nature, and what is valuable. And that's the big deal. And Paul goes on and he says this. I do not understand what I do. And you have to read this slowly. Otherwise you get it all tongue-tied up. For what I want to do I do not do. But what I hate, I do. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Now you kind of think, well, come on, Paul, just do it. Let's go Nike. Let's just do it. Like, come on. What's the problem? But you think about it for you and I and you go, hmm, what's really cool is Paul here, a great man you could say of God and you might put him up a few levels on a pedestal or something. This is a guy who who his writings have filled up a large portion of the Bible. In fact, the most prolific author there is. And yet he is being so transparent here. He's just saying it as it is. He's just saying, you know what? I really want something, but so often I settle for something less. So often I end up settling for something less, and I hate it. I hate it. And for some of us, maybe in the past or maybe right now or might happen in the future, If we're really, really honest, when we think about this and we think, you know what, I do what I don't want to do. I hate what I do. That in that process, we're just a little step away from actually hating ourselves. We find ourselves in a space where actually, because of that, We don't feel so good about ourselves. And it's a struggle. It's a wrestling match that we have. For some of us, it's every day, it's every hour. I don't know why I do what I do. And Paul goes on and he says this, And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. Now, Paul was a Jew. And in fact, in the Jewish sh- um, community, he was actually a Pharisee. And a Pharisee is like a, a really up there Jew. Like this guy's, a, you know, the principal. He's the leader. He's the administrator. He, he was really good at knowing the Jewish law, keep trying to keep the Jewish law. He, he was one of the best. And before he was a Christian, he actually wasn't a bad guy. In fact, he was a really good guy at doing what he thought was right. And possibly this discussion that he's having, having might have even been a reflection of or even at the space where uh, he's thinking back to when he wasn't a Christian. And he reflects that as hard as, trying to be, as hard as it is trying to be good and as hard as he was trying and as hard as he was committed to the law, he's saying, I just can't pull it off. I just can't do it. I relate. We even know right from wrong. We even know the people around us generally know right from wrong. And in fact, most of us are very committed to what is right. But it is a struggle. And Paul finishes off, goes on saying, For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. I relate to that. I relate to that. And that's a really good thing because I know God knows my heart, so that's a good thing. (laughs) I have the desire to do what is good. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. You see, what our human nature naturally wants is often in conflict of what we ultimately want. Now, if you think about nature, just nature, that's out there, nature, it doesn't take you long seeing a David Attenborough show um, to say that, you know, nature actually knows nothing of fairness. Nature is very beautiful from a distance. It's amazing. It's just, but when you dig in deep, you see that in nature there's no forgiveness, there's no generosity, there's no compassion, there's no grace in nature. And nature is all around us and humans, us, we are part of nature, we are part of that animal kingdom. If we think about human nature, we peel back a little bit of the layers of human nature, we find things we don't really want to know about. We find things like cheating and lying and Racism and adultery and me first and revenge. We, this is nature. This is human nature. And for all of us, we embrace this nature often. But it undermines our future. It undermines our hopes. It undermines our aspirations. Paul goes on. He, as I said, he wrote a little bit of, of the second part of the Bible in a second in another little passage, he's written to a, a group of people in another place called Galatia. So it's called a book, but it really was a letter. He writes this, When you, end, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature... Now, if you don't really like the idea of, of sinful, if you don't really think that's you, just take it out, because it kind of fits regardless. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature... Let me just pause on this. You see, as Christians, as Christians, we believe that our nature was and is broken. It's not perfect. It's not what God originally wanted. It's not how God originally made humankind. You know, there's something wrong with me and there's something wrong with you. We are fundamentally broken. And, you know, we might want to resist it, but it's so easy to prove because if you answer that question again, do you ever do what you, do you don't want to do, if your answer is yes, then you're broken. So we made a list, you know, if we made a list of, of, of the human sinful nature, and we just said, you know, just shout it out, just shout it out. The list would grow pretty quick and then we'd start thinking, yep, that's me. That's him. That's her. That's my kids. Yep, I relate. But Paul goes on and he actually gives the list anyway. And he says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Whoops, we'll go back one. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery. We don't use those words very much anymore, but think of it this way, idolatry, as putting anything before people. We've often said as Christians, it's anything before God, but we can stretch that. You know, how often do you put something before a person? How often do we actually value a thing over a person? And sorcery, sorcery is not a common term these days, but we often link it to witchcraft. And there's probably not many people here who put their hand up and say, I'm into that. But you might be. But we can stretch that and say, you know, magic and witchcraft has to do with power. Power over somebody. Power over. And you think to yourself, okay, do I ever feel, do I ever desire, do I ever want to have power over somebody else? And maybe sometimes the answer is yes. Hostility, quarrelling, jealousy. Now, jealousy is one that uh, that pops its ugly head up up often. You know, we so unconsciously celebrate other people's troubles or situations. You know, um, somebody might walk into the room and it's been Christmas and they have enjoyed all the Christmas food. And you look at them and you go, they've put on a little bit and you feel good. So what's with that? Like, or someone's kid didn't achieve the grades that they really wanted and you kind of go, <laughs> or someone's going through uh, uh, plans and they haven't quite worked out, like, and you kind of have this kind of like, hmm, it's not very nice to admit, but jealousy pops its ugly head up quite often. And we can call whatever we like these things, but the the New Testament, and as Christians call it, sin. It's our sinful nature. Outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, and the list goes on. You see, all of us are a relationship or two away from this. I do not know, I do not do what I want to do. I do not know why I do what I wanted, uh, what I uh, what I don't want to do, and, and in essence, it's destroying our future. But as we said, this this is a battle that can be won. And the last little passage we're going to look at today is this. Again, in the second part of the Bible, written by James. Now, James is the brother of Jesus, which is pretty cool. That there's a there's a little passage in the Bible that's written by Jesus' brother, half brother, brother. He writes this, and this is, this is kind of a picture. To, you can almost close your eyes and try and picture an image in your mind. Picture something visual in your mind. Let it sort of rest in deep. He writes this, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away. Dragged away. Get a little picture of that in your mind. Recently caught up, when I went to Sydney, caught up with some friends, um, playgroup friends, and um, from when Jared was a baby, so been friends 11 years, hard to believe. And one of th- those friends have moved to Port Macquarie, and we, we were talking about, a, and they've moved to actually just south of Port Macquarie, a little tiny community called Lake and beautiful beaches, they're brown as berries, living the life, fishing, swimming, surfing across the road kind of thing, but... Oh, we're just talking about things. And then she recounted how the community has lost two 11, 12-year-olds into the sea this last year, two drownings. And in a small community, that has impact. And she relayed one story, how uh, a, a gentleman that she knows in the gym said he was walking down the beach one day. Mum was up on the beach on her phone, lessons to us all a long way away from her two children who were in the water, and he felt like he should say something, but he didn't. And um, one of those boys was dragged away. Dragged away with the water, dragged away. What dragged away image do you have in your mind? What drags us away? But each person is tempted when they are dragged away trying to do the right thing we're trying to make good choices but something comes along and drags us away we let it drag us away the valuable versus the natural but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their we'll go back by their own evil desire and enticed you know we know right from wrong we know right from wrong but we get dragged away He, she, an old habit, something comes along. And then he goes on. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. You see, ultimately, sin kills stuff. It will undermine our future. It will undermine the hopes and dreams we have for this year. It will undermine what is valuable to us. It will undermine where we really want to go. And if you just imagine Paul 2,000 plus years ago, right 2,000-ish years ago, writing this, and you kind of think, well, hey, how amazing it is that these words are still relevant to me today in this time, place, and culture, because that's the amazing thing about the Bible. It was historical, but it's also relevant in every time and space. You see... Paul sits there and he says these last words, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived of what so easily distracts us, what easily we just so easily forget, what we really, really want. You know, it's like Paul grabbing me, grabbing you by the collar and saying, don't be deceived. Don't let it trick you. Don't let the ultimate... Be dragged away by the immediate. Don't let the valuable, what you really value, be dragged away by your natural human propensity. Don't be deceived. Students, don't be tricked. Don't be deceived. Singles, don't be deceived. Men, women, grandparents, uni students, young adults, all of us, don't be deceived. Don't trade your ultimate for the immediate. Don't trade your valuable for the natural. If you think about it, I'm sure you agree that it really hurts. It really, really hurts when you see people who make choices that undermine their future. I'm sure teachers, parents, all of us, siblings, friends, brothers, we see people who make choices that ultimately undermines their future. Last year, I had a cousin who passed away in her early 50s. And I, I kind of bleed for my cousin, um, not Christians, not Jesus followers. But when she was in her early 20s, she moved to Sydney, and then her brother moved there as well. Actually, I... Can't remember, I'm telling two stories like this. I, sh- I didn't mean to. Um, but, yeah, so, and then my my cousin, Robert, passed away suddenly. It was all very mysterious. He was in his 20s. And she was there, and it broke her. It broke my cousin. And um, all these years, she's just, just been, been broken. And I feel that, um, and in the end, sh- she struggled with alcohol. That was her backstop and passed away so young and i feel i feel that watching and and trying to i should have done better i feel like i should have i prayed often but uh, there's more to prayer than just praying but you know the choices made or non-choices made i feel she struggled and i just wish she could have been released from the pain she bore from the loss of her brother so many years ago and um you know you th- we just when, when we choose to follow Jesus, when we, we choose Jesus, Andy Stanley uses this statement, and I, I really love it. I've used it many times before. Following Jesus makes life better, makes my life better, and makes me better at life. And, and I agree with that. I, I'm not perfect. I have my sad days. I make mistakes. But I really do believe knowing Jesus makes my life better and makes me better at life. You see, Jesus points you to the valuable and past the natural. Jesus points you to the ultimate and past the immediate. And You know, if you're really not sure who Jesus is, that's, that's okay. I just challenge you at this point, a valuable choice you could make would be to choose to start a journey to following Jesus. And... Following him, as we said right at the start, it's about love. It's, it's just he, he loves you so much. You know, Christianity is not a killjoy. Christianity is, is not there to make your life miserable. You know, Christianity is about that father who sent his son to be on this earth, a father who wants the very, very, very best for you, a father who allowed his son, as we said, to step into human history and point us to the very best. And, you know, what's really amazing is this, that, you know, choosing to follow Jesus will make your life better and better at life, but it also impact the next generation, the next generation. I think I've referred to my nan here before who chose to follow Jesus, and when she chose to follow Jesus, that changed the trajectory of my my mum's life, and my mum chose to follow Jesus, and and n- now there's a generation of us who follow Jesus and another gen like from my nan choosing, now there's 20, 30 plus people who've made that choice to follow Jesus and impacting generation after generation after generation. You know, none of us are a master at this. I certainly aren't. You know, every day we get dragged away, every day. But you know what? It's worth it. It's worth that battle. It's worth it. It's worth it to fix our eyes on what's beyond the natural, what's beyond the immediate. It's worth it and it is possible. And so if you come back in the next couple of weeks, the journey will continue. But toni- today, um, Corbin's going to help me out. He's got a few little sheets there. This is a little take-home for you. You can tuck it in your pocket. Don't put it through the wash just grab one uh looks like this um something for you to just you know maybe put it in the bathroom or um beside your bed or but as i said at the start and as we as um andy stanley challenges in this series he said unless we make space for these questions we we won't consider them we'll just go on and and so there's three questions Four, if you weren't here last week, what do you value? But this week, what do you really want? Is it good grades? Is it a car, a relationship, a good job, health? But underneath that, what do you really want? The second question is, what keeps dragging you away? And this is something that's really between you and you, or between you and God, you really want to answer it honestly you probably can't talk to your parents about it or even your spouse. It's really something you've just got to ask yourself. Ask myself, what is it that keeps dragging me away? And the third one is this. How long Do I want to or plan to? In fact, probably none of us have planned. But how long do I plan to let what I naturally want drag me away from what I ultimately want? Because this year can be different. 2018 can be different. I've just finished a book called Just Courage. And it's really inspired me. And um, I'd love you to all read it. You know, it talks about that God has made us Not to have a safe life, but to be courageous. To be courageous. And it takes courage to consider these questions. It takes courage. How long will it be? Not till next year? I can't think about it this year. It's just too hard. Three years, five years, when I'm finished school, when I'm married, when I get that next job, how long? So my, my my challenge to you and to myself is to really think through these this, this week. If you're um, a Christian, pray about it. If you're not, try praying. Try, prayer is simply a, a conversation to God. If you haven't prayed for a long time, just say, Hey God, it's me. I haven't talked to you for a while. Maybe if you can say, I'm not sure if you're there. If that's the space you're in, that's okay. Just Have a conversation. God, I've got these questions. If you're there, I really want you to plant something inside of me. So next week we're going to continue the series. Um, I really pray that, you know, for us here at Refresh, that when we think through these things, when we think through these things, I I often remember New Year's services. I don't know why, but uh, I remember one I heard many years ago that, you know, if you set a course, if you're on this course, you only have to move a very slight bit and you'll end up in a completely different place. You know, we we don't have to go like this. One small decision... And set us on a totally new path, the path that God has called you to this year, that God wants you to go, the courage that He wants you to have to go just one small little step. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we're just so grateful that Jesus is our example and that Jesus points us to the ultimate, to the ultimate, and not just the immediate, to past our natural. God, to what we really value and I just really pray for um, our community here uh, that, that we will this year um, not just jump in the boat and go for the ride and hope we end up somewhere but God will, will be intentional and say, God, you know what, I really want to consider what I really want and, and, and what I value and, and I want that to guide my trajectory for this year. And give me the courage to do that. I pray a blessing over our families. I pray a blessing over our school here. As, it, as it's on the brink of, of new community starting up on Monday with staff and ask, Lord, that your spirit, your Holy Spirit, just is present here and as a refreshed community, that you will you will fill our hearts with an abundance of love for those that are in this space, and those that have been before in this space, the students who have just walked out the door. That we will not forget them, Lord, but that we will just embrace them in our prayers and in our communique and, and that, w- that we will let them know that, God, that you are still there and you love them and that we are there for them too. God, help us to, to really, uh, be have our eyes open to, to what you have in store for us. And I thank you, God, that you are an amazing God and, um, for the opportunity of a new year. We're just so grateful. Thank you that you're with us and that you've got it. Amen.